What's up, everybody? Welcome to Half the Cast, episode number 31. My name is Josh Toll, and I am joined by my good friend, Brett Roberts. Hello, Brett. What's up, Josh? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very good. We have an awesome podcast today for everybody. Um, very excited about it, talking about a lot of big things, trying something new. Uh, but first, before we get into that and we give you the rundown, I think there's something that we need to talk about, Brett. Oh, you got it. <laughs> Looks like a swimming cap. So, for those of you that haven't seen, Josh and I uh, uploaded a new video a couple days ago called Unclaimed Baggage. It's a new series. Uh, we're hoping to turn it into a series anyway, a new video um, where we get packages from this place called Unclaimed Baggage for each other, and it's just random gifts. And uh, as you can see, we get some good stuff from uh, what you see over on Josh's uh, head there. Yeah, so go check that out. I didn't want to uh, take my headset off to do that. But yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, that was cool. So make sure you guys uh, let us know if you like it or not. So that we'll keep doing it. Um, all right. The topics we're going to be talking about today, Brett. Amazon. And their inability to actually make games, even though they spend billions of dollars on it. Uh, um, That's right. Game streaming viewership during the pandemic and some metrics there and how it's basically doubled. Um, Vicarious Visions, which is the Tony Hawk, uh, you know, one or two remastered people uh, being absorbed, basically merging into Blizzard. Um, and then we're going to start a new segment where we go over our top top 50 games of all time. Um, little by little, uh, we're doing number four, 50, 50 to 40 today, yep. um, yeah. as well as honorable mentions. And then we have a awesome uh, indie intel this week for you all uh, talking about a game called Singularity. From Japan. From Japan. So I'm really excited for the uh, for the top 50 games of all time. Uh, that's and that's one we kind yeah. of came up with a couple of weeks ago and. I'm really, really excited to share my list with you, and I know you're excited to share your list with me. So, I am, I am. So, before we hop into our main tap topics, Brett, what are you playing? What's going on? I've been playing some VR, some virtual reality. Yes, but not alone. I've been playing with a good friend of mine. Oh, who was that? That's not you. No, it's you. Um, yeah. last night we had a little VR session, first multiplayer VR session we've ever had. Uh, we played, we tried to play Riggs Combat Evolved or whatever the fuck it's called. Mechanized Combat League. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. your stomach can't handle that quite yet. So we, no, we switched over to, what was it called? <laughs> the, um. Wipeout Omega Edition. Yes. Yes. Wipeout. And that also was too much for your your little stomach, so we switched over yeah, to rec man. room. Mm -hmm. So that was yeah. I wouldn't. I want to say fun, but it wasn't very fun either. Um, but it was a good time. It was interesting. It was a yeah. good time. Um. Yep. Yeah, besides that, nothing really crazy. Um. Really busy week for me work wise. So, um. Mm. Just taking care of some stuff. What about you? Yeah. Um, so same, been playing some VR. Just got the new, the second, whatever VR headset or whatever. Excuse me. <coughs> got You're some referring to the, the PSVR uh, version 2 with HDR. 
is what you're yeah with the hdr paths pass through box um um and you know played everything that you just said i also uh, have been playing resident evil 7 a little bit in it Uh, again my ability to combat motion sickness is like abysmal um so i have to train for that i have to train to play games (laughs) um and then been playing a lot of beat saber nice um which is a lot of fun i played vader immortal uh, all three episodes which was awesome and then uh most recently last night not vr i beat uh this game called detention by candlelight games um we've talked about candlelight red candle sorry you're right um we've been we've talked about them on the pod before um that game is awesome i don't know what else to say um it is uh the first time in a while when i beat a game and i was like damn dude wow it's the first time in a long time uh i guess really since last of us too nice um yeah it's awesome i recommend it i won't talk about it too much more uh since you haven't played it well they i do know that they did a film adaptation and they also did a tv show adaptation yes which i'm about to watch so nice I couldn't find the TV show anywhere, but I did find the movie, so. Excuse me. I have to fucking... (coughs) Sorry. I'm drinking a shake right now. I don't think I mixed all of it up in it, like... Little skeet particles in your throat, tickling your uh, esophagus. Yeah, man. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. With that, let's... uh... Hop into uh, today's main topics, Brett, shall we? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Amazon, I'm ready. So, Brett, this week, a couple days ago, or actually yesterday from when we were filming this, an article was released by our good friend, uh, Jason Trier, um, who has been the topic, his articles have been the topic of many uh, segments on our podcast. Because he's a fantastic writer and is one of the very few uh, investigative journalists in the gaming sphere. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. This week, he released an article talking about Amazon and specifically their games division and how basically it's a shit show over there. It's really bad. Um, They spend so much money on games. They haven't released a game. And they were founded, I think, in 2015 now. They haven't released haven't released a game they scrapped a bunch of projects um so let's get into a little bit i'm going to run down some highlights from the article and then i want your input okay so the dude so the dude that runs uh amazon game studios his name is mike frazzini okay mike frazzini um and he something to note is that he never made a game prior to beginning this venture uh, with Amazon Game Studios. He has worked at Amazon for a long time. Um, he's a lifer, as they call him. He's very close with Jeff Bezos, um, but he never made a game before taking over Game Studios. Okay? <clears throat> gotcha. So the foundation of Amazon Game Studios and what their kind of mantra is for making games was founded on the Jeff Bezos's idea of making the biggest, most groundbreaking games, right? And Jason Schreier mentions in the article is like they focus on this really instead of games that people want to play, right? Which is a major criticism of the developers that work for them. Now, obviously, Amazon Game Studios bought Twitch, right? Which is huge. 
Board Game Studios, this Mike Prezini dude, has recruited creators of EverQuest and Portal, right? But within this article, Jason Schreier talks about that he never really listened to these people. So he essentially hired huge names, right? Developers in the gaming world to make games and then basically ignored them, okay? Jason Schreier talks about that there's a bro culture in the office, that there was issues that basically Mike Prezini went and created positions that were formerly held by women and put the position above them just so he didn't have to listen to the women developers within it. And there was another position above them now. <clears throat> um, and basically that Mike Frazzini was terrible in content reviews. They would, you know, something common in the game sphere is that your development team will show the director or whoever's in charge what's going on. They'll play test it and they'll offer feedback. And according to people that he interviewed for the article, um, Mike Prezzini would like give feedback that like basically a normie would give be like, why is this this color? What's going on here? Can we make like this go? Yeah, like yeah. <clears throat> copy, copy, paste, you know, abysmal, whatever. So that's stuff specific to Mike Prezzini, but there is a little bit more here. So do oh, you want to cool. comment on any of that before I continue? Because it doesn't get better. Yeah, I'll comment quickly. <clears throat> um... I want to start off by saying just like in general, Amazon just has all the money in the world and they can do right. like anything they want. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos um, clearly saw that video games are a huge profitable thing. He wanted to get a cut of that. Why? I don't know. I guess they just need more money, which they don't. Well, and, actually, uh, with that point, he said specifically um, that he wants to do it as a means of selling more subscriptions to Amazon Prime and to get more foot traffic essentially through their online marketplace through video. Okay. Games. That makes sense. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. I just think that this Mike Frazzini guy, not the right guy to, to, you know, head a studio for making video games if he's never made a game before. Um, right. And he wants to make these huge, huge worlds, but like doesn't care about the gameplay. It's almost like, um, what's it called? What's that game called? Anthem. Where, like, the game yes. kind of just, like, looked good and, like, it was this huge open game, but, like, no one wanted to play it. It didn't have any, like, anything about it that made it charming, almost. Oh, I forgot. You're broken. I don't want to play with you anymore. It's like when you build exactly. something, but you don't put any care into it. Um, and it's just a show. <clears throat> and I think exactly. I, I mentioned this to you. It, it It's like, this whole studio is just, like, a big pile of cancer that was just formed with money you know yes which could have been great if they had an un like you know they could make whatever they want with as much money as they want but they have a doofus in charge who only wants to make the biggest stuff so you're hiring all these people but you're not really letting them create right? especially the everquest and <clears throat> portal guys that you mentioned right um, I mean, how do you have guys like that of that caliber and you don't let them do it? I mean, in my mind, I would if I was running this studio and I had all the money in the world, I'd be like, you're going to make a game. You're going to make a game. You're going to make a game and we're going to make a bunch of games and let's just be creative and game jam and, you know, make something cool that people are going to want to play. We have all the right. money in the world. Like, you know what I mean? If, if it turns out that it's not enjoyable during our play sessions, we'll just scrap the idea. But at least we tried. Right. And he's right. just focusing on these huge, big experiences. Um, right. And but as you'll not... see, go ahead. I'm sorry, what? No, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, as you'll see in our top 50 games list later on in this pod uh, or in another video, you'll find that sometimes some of people's favorite games aren't these huge, open, expansive, open world games, right? They could be these small, short little experiences. So um, I think this guy's going about it all wrong. And then, of course, the bro culture um, and just like maliciously hiring men to creating positions and then hiring men to fill those positions just so that they can be in charge of the women that he doesn't want to deal with. Exactly. It's just what a piece of shit, you know? Exactly. But it goes to the, no, it goes to the larger point too, which Jason Schreier goes into a lot of detail in the article. And if if you haven't read it, I really recommend reading it um, because it's like they, it's like him and somebody else wrote the article with him. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know their name off the top of my head. Um, but it's like 30 different people that used to work for Amazon or currently do in the game stuff. Um, they talk a lot about the devs complaining about the corporate culture, right. Of Amazon and the focus on data rather than actual, the artistic side of it. And what is, what is the biggest thing right now? Where are people playing? What are people clicking on? What are people buying? We want to basically copy that and do that. Right. And you saw it with failed titles that they made, like Nova, which was supposed to be their version of League of Legends, which has been scrapped, and then Crucible, which was supposed to be their version of Overwatch, which actually released, and then they scrapped and removed it from the marketplace because it was terrible. Like, you can't... Gaming is... Creating games and developing games is a lot of things, right? But it's not procedural. You cannot put something on a conveyor belt and just add things to it each step of the way and expect a good result, right? Even if somebody else had success from that, because if you don't have a team that is invested in creating what you're doing, then you're not going to actually have a good end product. Creating games is art at every level, from the coding to the actual artists. And if you try to force that into some kind of corporate Amazon hierarchy type thing, which we know runs Amazon. They have like, they talk in the article about 14 leadership principles they have, including customer customer obsession and frugality. You can't fucking shove art creation into a corporate structure like that. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's almost poetic how Amazon can't, like, it's like they're trying and they, they are failing over and over again to make a game. All the money in like, the world. All yeah, the money in the world. It's like, You'd think that they would get the point that it's not in the cards, you know, but they keep trying. Right. Um, So a couple quick more points. They initially one of the big issues was that Amazon was trying to create their own development software um, instead of using something like Unreal or um, uh, Unity or whatever. What a waste of time and money and resources. Exactly, exactly. So they they created something called Lumberyard, which was apparently one of the worst things to code in and develop games with. They created their own proprietary thing, spent a shit ton of money on it, and it didn't work. And it used like web tools, like Amazon Web Services based stuff that like didn't work. It and it, it was not dev friendly, right? <clears throat> so eventually they hired um, Christoph Hartman of Bioshock fame. He didn't direct it or anything, but he worked on Bioshock. He published those games. He worked at 2K for a long time, right? And he basically came in um, and was hired by this Frazini guy, as far as I know. And Christoph Hartman came in as like, we're not using Lumberyard. If you want to use Unreal, use it. If you want to use Unity, use it. But Mm -hmm. we're not going to mandate the use of Lumberyard anymore, which now 
<clears throat> their new game, which you might have heard of recently, called New World, which is yeah. in development, I think is being made on either Unity or Unreal. Um, and <laughs> continuing with that, there's so many abysmal pieces in this story. Was that basically it's a game where you take over, you go to a new world, right? And there was depictions of people like you as the player killing people in the game that looked like Native Americans, which caused a huge, yeah, <clears throat> caused a huge backlash. And this Frazzini guy was like, oh, this isn't racist. And they hired a tribal consultant, like a Native American tribal consultant. And then the Native American tribal consultant came out and said, yeah, it's racist. Don't do this. <laughs> so wow. they basically scrapped. They didn't scrap the game. They scrapped those player models and are rebuilding it so they don't look like Native Americans. That's interesting. Why would you think that's a good idea for a game? Like, I don't understand. I don't know, man. Um, there's more. I mean, White I could people probably the game, dude. Just pillaging. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Wasn't a good idea. But, um, you know, and Amazon also has, so they have Twitch. They also have this Luna thing that they're doing with that's basically Stadia, which we've already talked about prior on the channel. We know it's going to fail. Uh, we don't want it. It's actually, it's in people's hands now. It is. I actually have a so, beta code sign up thing, but I never did it. Do you? Yeah, I signed up. I'm not interested, to be honest with you. And I think you have to still buy the games, even if you're invited in. So I don't, whatever. Um, but interesting last note is that the David Limp, who is running the Luna stuff, David Limp, <laughs> um, said basically, he's like, yeah, we're going to kind of pursue publishing in this realm too since Amazon Game Studios basically can't make a game. And obviously I'm paraphrasing and changing his words, but his quotes yeah. in the article read like that to me. He's like, yeah, basically Amazon game sucks. So we're going to do this Luna thing and try to publish our own games while they try to figure out what the fuck they're doing. <clears throat> and isn't that kind of like what Amazon does with films too? Don't they publish films? Yeah, I mean, that's that's their model for Prime, right? They have, they have, they started a couple of years ago buying up these smaller indie films almost in a lot of ways yeah. and releasing them right um and where they have a lot of success with their own content right is prime video where they yeah. do make their own tv shows and stuff like that or buy other dying tv shows right and then essentially resurrect them like the expanse and stuff and amazon yeah. has a lot of great tv shows and content there but they have not been able to hit the same stride with games and it's because games in my opinion is such a different medium and if you have a the head of your studio with this corporate mindset, like Frizzini clearly does, yeah, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. How many times have we seen this in the games industry? If you want a game made, hire devs and talented artists, right, to make the game and let them make their own fucking game. That's the it. The problem starts with leadership here. The problem is the leaders. Right. Look at this fucking Frizzini Cyberpunk. Guy. Look at Cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah. True. Wait. So what? Wait. Look at what? You heard it here, folks. We're never talking about the game ever again on this channel. We're done. I'm done. I really am done. I truly am finished. I don't know. What game are you talking about? I don't know. There's this game I thought I heard of that's really abysmal that we've talked now, we about. We talk about that game on this podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But anyway, so that's abysmal. I mainly wanted to bring it up because my big thing is that if you try to shove art creation into a corporate structure, it's going to fail. I agree. All right.
moving on. Yes. Josh, we're going to talk about game streaming viewership. Now, clearly, we are still in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. Uh, you know, quarantine, <clears throat> nobody can leave their house. If you do, you got to wear a mask. And we've talked about in the past how things like, uh, you know, video games and, and movies and TV shows helped during this pandemic, gave us something mm -hmm. to do. Um, certain games like Animal Crossing let us be together and have fun and like, you know, live our lives in this virtual world instead, right? Right. So when this article was published by Polygon about game streaming viewership, doubling in 2020, it was no surprise to me. Uh, yeah. However, just how much it went up is pretty insane. Yeah. So um, here I have a statistic here. Uh, Hit me specifically, with it. what's that? Hit me with it. I'll hit you with it. All right. Uh, streamers who put their effort into Facebook gaming and YouTube gaming saw a larger uptick in viewership uh, compared to those who streamed on Twitch. Hmm. So that's just like a little interesting little tidbit. Why Facebook gaming and YouTube uh, compared to Twitch? Could it have something to do with all of the abysmal shit Twitch has done in the last couple of months slash year? Maybe. I don't know. But <clears throat> I don't know. That I don't even have a theory about how to answer that, to be honest with you. It could just be yeah. traffic, how they're pushing it, how they're advertising. Twitch has been established. Absolutely. Facebook gaming and YouTube gaming more recently is um, a little bit newer of a platform. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's why. But yeah. So let me give you the, the full statistic here. So essentially in 2020, overall viewership across all streaming platforms was up 78.5%. Uh, and it totals out to 27.9 billion hours of content watched. That's ridiculous. That's a lot. It's insane. Um, there's some other things here, you know, about YouTube and, and all that. But I think that was like the, the standout there is like the overall amount. Mm-hmm. And I do want to just speculate with you as to why, you know, Facebook and YouTube were the two biggest platforms for this. Oh, that um, I do have a theory on now, actually, that I think about it. YouTube specifically. Okay, here, here's mine. Okay, who is the number one? The name. Back to back. It's Dr. Blockbuster video game champion, Josh. Dance. Dr. Disrespect. Respect. Dr. Disrespect. And where is he streaming? He's on YouTube. I know you're gonna die if you speak once. And who's his partner in crime? Not just that any pressure on you. Z -laner. Z Laner. And where does Z Laner stream? This is the reality check. Facebook. That's it. That's the answer. <laughs> that that was my theory actually too. I mean, it's it's honestly hard to put it's into words how no, I think it's actually not a joke. To be honest with you, I really, I thought the same thing. And like, well, it's kind of partially meme but like, it's hard to um, put into words how popular Dr. Disrespect is. Besides mm -hmm. his live streams where he's getting, I mean, I'll, the most, at least that I've seen, the largest concurrent viewer base when he goes live out of most streamers, even after he got fucked by Twitch. And there's a lot of other big people too, obviously. Um, but, and Z Laner too, who was kind of popping off on Facebook, but was yeah. <clears throat> almost unknown prior to the pandemic starting. And then when Doc was just like, one day, I want to stream with a rando on Warzone. And he yeah. connected with this small, smaller Facebook streamer, Z Laner. And 
you can look at those metrics when Z started streaming with Doc and look at how much more popular Z became when he started streaming with Doc and how they play all the time. And they're fucking ridiculous, by the way. They're good. Together. They're really they good. are awesome together and they're a lot of fun together. But <clears throat> yeah. yeah, man, I think that's partially a meme, but also partially yeah. that. I mean, come on, dude. No, it's weird. It's a weird coincidence. If so, um, mm -hmm. I think another thing that, you know, it could be is the Facebook specifically is, you know, more people were on their phones, more people were at home True. on their phones doing nothing. And the Facebook gaming or Facebook Live, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, um, is so easy to access. You just scroll, you know, right on your phone and it's there. Um, you know, Facebook is huge for watching videos, which is surprising, but not surprising at the same time, considering how many users are actually on Facebook. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it could have something to do with the fact that people were just stuck at home and they were just on Facebook and they just saw the, the shit pop up in the little ad and they just started watching it. You know, I, I think it could yeah. be as simple as that. But I <laughs> like your idea um, with Zlaner and Doc a lot more. Yeah, um, I mean, that's just it's you saw when I think YouTube put something out too when Doc switched from Twitch well, when he was forced basically to switch from Twitch to YouTube, like the metrics of when he started streaming on YouTube and the amount of people that watched YouTube gaming specifically, come on, yeah. man. Yeah. He's bringing, I mean, literally millions of views to the platform. It's pretty crazy. Um, and I'll read this last statistic. So uh, YouTube specifically, roughly 54.9 million hours were streamed in 2020 versus 55.4 uh, million hours in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um However, YouTube's viewership of that streaming content increased twofold. Right. Data shows that viewers consumed 6.19 billion hours of streaming content in 2020, up from 3.15 billion in 2019. So, it's all from Doc. It's all and us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Only Doc and Haptic Intel impact YouTube gaming statistics. That's right. And you could take that to the bank. Cheers. All right, Brian, right, you want to kick off the next one too? Yeah, I'll do it. So, Vicarious Visions, uh, the creators of several Crash Bandicoot games, especially like the remaster, um, and the maker of Tony Hawk, specifically the remaster, um, mm -hmm. they're merging with Blizzard. So... Here's the here's the story. Vicarious Visions, the studio behind the recent Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remastered, is now a part of Blizzard Entertainment, reports GamesIndustry.biz. The studio has been merged with Blizzard to provide long-term support. Blizzard has been working with Vicarious... Blizzard has been working with Vicarious Visions for some time, a representative for Blizzard said, but it's not clear on which projects they were helping with. Mm -hmm. uh, Blizzard has a relatively high number of un announced titles in development, including Diablo 4, Overwatch 2, and Diablo <laughs> Immortal. Mm -hmm. We may know more about Blizzard's plans and how they involve Vicarious Visions more than 200 employees very soon. BlizzCon Online, or BlizzCon Lot. Yeah. Why yeah, did they dude. name it that? Yeah, dude, I know. Why did they name it that? BlizzCon Online, dude. No, BlizzCon Live. I, I know, but I'm not calling it that. I refuse. They, they should have called it BlizzCon Live. Yeah, bro, that would make too much sense, dude. An online version of the developer's <laughs> annual BlizzCon gaming convention will take place on February 19th to the 20th. Right. Uh, Vicarious Visions was acquired by Activision in 2005. They went on to develop games in the Guitar Hero, Transformers, Crash Bandicoot, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and Skylanders franchises. 
what the hell are they doing with Blizzard, Josh? I think this goes back to our Amazon conversation too. Is there seem to me like they're taking a developer and trying to push them into a corporate structure, right? We know how bad Activision is, right? Which, mm-hmm. you know, Activision owns Blizzard. They're Blizzard Activision. What fucking cares? Whatever. Um, now, this could be a good thing for these titles. If they're working on, you know, Diablo or Overwatch or any of those types of things, that could be interesting, you know, to have a studio like them be involved with that. But to me, it why would you take them away from doing stuff elsewhere and it seems like this has been a developed like that them merging or working with blizzard more closely on like first party ip stuff or whatever has been going on for a little while now but to me why would you inhibit you know a studio like this from kind of doing their own thing yeah it's very weird and it's like you know activision still owns the rights to crash and still owns the rights to right. tony hawk games so is the next game in that in those series going to be made by blizzard because like harry's visions is part of blizzard now so I don't that know, would man. be fucking weird it's possible i just i don't well, know here's my my speculation josh so we had vicarious visions they just did the tony hawks pro skater one and two remastered that just came out they did mm-hmm. crash bandicoot uh insane trilogy mm-hmm. which is a remake of the original first three uh crash bandicoot games so I heard a rumor that Blizzard is working on Diablo 2 Remastered. Mm. Or just a new version of Diablo 2. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible that Vicarious Visions was merged into Blizzard so that they can work on Diablo 2? It's possible. I mean, listen, Blizzard might also just want, you know, they, you look at how popular like Bluepoint games are, look at how well tony hawk pro skater one and two remastered did they might just yeah. want like almost like an in-house blue point games to do some of that stuff yeah and their blue point is vicarious visions which yeah. listen i'm not against i just i i understand from a business perspective or like a streamlining type of thing it might make sense but i i never like i mean does activision really need more like do they really need more no i we both hate Activision. It's simple. It, it, it just, I think they're a terrible company. They make really good games sometimes, but their corporate practices ruin games, right? Yeah, in my for opinion. Sure. Same way EA does. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, listen, this could be as simple as this, Josh. You know, Blizzard was short-staffed with all these new projects they're working on. They needed more guys. Activision was like, you know, you guys get so much money already anyway. We're not going to give you the resources to hire more people. We have Vicarious Visions over here. They're not working on anything right now. Um, So let's just merge them together, and now you guys have more people. It could just be as simple as that. Could be. We'll see. Yeah, sad. Time will tell. All right. Okay, Brett. And everybody right, Josh. Hello, this is it. This is the time. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome inside of Haptic HQ for, we've been in here the entire time, but that's okay, for the first installment of Brett and Josh's top 50 games of all time. This is the new segment we're starting, right? That will obviously release as separate videos and still be part of our larger podcast, um, where Brett and I 
just go through. Usually we're probably going to do like 10 at a time all the way up to the top 10 um, for the next couple of weeks about what are our personal, each of us individually, our personal top 50 games of all time. Okay. Now, once we get to the end, which will, I guess will be in a couple of weeks from now, um, we'll score them, rank them, you know, as far as both of them goes, we'll let you guys know what haptic Intel's top 10 games are of all time. Um, and then obviously, you know, you can all take this with a grain of salt. These are our personal choices. You know what I mean? These are what we thought about. There's a lot of factors into it. Um, but you know, don't get your panties in a bunch. It's okay. Everybody has their own opinions and, um, that's it. That's right. Today, Brett, what we're going to do is we're going to go through our honorable mentions. I know each of us have some. Just quickly yep. run down our honorable mentions that didn't make the top 50. And then we're going to cover um, pop our 50 to 40 games. Okay. Sounds fair. So, Brett, why don't you kick us off in the first installment of our top 50 games of all time? What are your honorable mentions? All right, Josh, I'm going to give you my honorable mentions. But before I do that, I just want to say shout out to GG app uh, oh, yes. it's on ios and android platforms we're using it to rank all of our uh all of our top 50 games uh you can check out our lists on that platform uh again it's gg app uh they have a website ggapp.io and again we're on there so go follow us and you can see all the games that we review you can look at all of our lists um and we can look at the stuff you guys are liking and you guys are playing and you can find that in our description at our link tree so go check that out that's right Honorable plug, mentions. We, we, we've been with them from the beginning that's right GG. we have we've been with them since they first started so um if you like you know letterbox the app for movies it's basically that for games yeah all right so i have seven um or six because it's 57 so i have six uh no, six or seven. seven honorable mentions okay you have a number of honorable mentions got it all right so josh number 57 is a Game Boy Advance game called Yu-Gi-Oh! The Eternal Duelist Soul. Okay. Now, this is my, you know, personal favorite Yu-Gi-Oh! game. I played Yu-Gi-Oh! a lot as a kid. I played Game Boy Advance a lot as a kid, Game Boy Advance SP. And this was one of the games that I had with me at all times. I had multiple copies of this game, even. Um, mm -hmm. My favorite part was uh, you could actually input on every Yu-Gi-Oh! card at the very bottom. There was a, a number, right? There's a little code. And you could actually type that in and it would give you the card in the game mm. and you'd be able to use that. So I like That's that slick. ability, you know, before microtransactions where you had to buy every card, um, mm -hmm. you could just basically make your deck that you have in real life and put it in the game. So That's cool. Yu-Gi-Oh! The Eternal Duelist Soul, number 57. Number 56, another uh, nostalgia trip for me, uh, Dragon Ball Raging Blast 2. This game was on the Xbox 360 and the PS3. Um, I never played Raging Blast 1, but Raging Blast 2 was a really good, great game, in my opinion. Um, it had a great cast of characters. It actually was the first time uh, English and Americans got to see Hachiak, I believe his name is. He's a villain from Dragon Ball. Uh, he was in the game, and the anime was included in the game as well, so you could watch it. Um, cool. Just a, you know, a better version of like the Tenkaichi-style games, and um, probably my favorite modern Dragon Ball Z game, or at least cool. my favorite in a long time. Love it. Number 55, Astro's Playroom. Ooh. This did not make nice my top addition. 50. Nice addition. Nice uh, addition. 
Unfortunately, you know, the way things played out, certain games that I love didn't get to get on my list, and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, what a game. And I know you, you know, you love this as well. It was just such a fun experience on the PlayStation mm-hmm. 5. Um, I can't talk about it more. Uh, I'm going to be playing Astro uh, Bot Rescue Mission next on VR, and I think that that might claim a spot on the top 50 if what I'm hearing about it is true. Love it. 54 is Double Fine's Brutal Legend. Ooh, nice. Came out on the Xbox 360 and the PS3 starring Jack Black, as I believe his name is Eddie Riggs. Mm-hmm. Um, this game would have been higher on my list if it didn't have the tower defense mechanic mm. gameplay. Wow, I forgot. You're right. That mm. just didn't grind with me in a good way. Um mm-hmm. But, like, the music was, the soundtrack is phenomenal. The third-person action gameplay is great. The combos that you can do. And the story was pretty good, too. Yeah. So, number 53 is Accounting Plus for PlayStation Mm. VR. We were just talking about that yesterday. We were. Um, This is probably, as of right now, my favorite VR game. Um, It's really funny. Justin Roiland is one of the writers on it. Uh, Mm. It's made by Crows, Crows, Crows. Um... It's just such a funny and fun game, and I had a lot of a lot of fun with it. Nice. Fifty-two prototype. Wow. Now, this game was also a little higher on my list, but as things happened, it, it got pushed down. Um, <sighs> Damn, you're taking me back right now. Mm. Pro- prototype is such a good game. Again, released on the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Um, a lot of great games on those systems. Uh, you know, Alex Mercer running around with a fucking sword arm and then you change it into a fucking giant fucking ball and you're smashing it. You have armor. It fucking goes on your whole body. Um, The game was cool. I think the thing that really took it lower for me was just the edginess of it and the story was not the best. Um, Yeah. And also they they followed it up with Prototype 2, which I heard was just shit. So, yeah. um, But the gameplay is very fun. And, you know, you just run around killing people for a long time. Mm hmm. And number 51, my last honorable mention, Josh, is the first video game I ever played, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Wow. Now, you know, a lot of nostalgia there for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Great game. Flawed, but great game. Um, I've beaten the whole thing since then, and I think it's a classic. Uh, It would have gotten higher on my list, but um, again, it just got pushed down. So that's my honorable mentions. Josh. What do you have for me? My honorable mentions. I have uh, eight, seven of them. I got six or seven, eight. I don't Hit know. Me. Hit me. Number 58, PT. PT. Now, why is it an honorable mention, Brett? It's because it's not a full game. And it is and it isn't. And that's why I didn't feel like I should put it in my top because... Mm-hmm. It's more of an experience and an event type thing, the way I look at it, rather than a full game. Love PT, okay. and especially what could have been of PT. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Real quick, why. I want to mention, Josh, you will be seeing that from me, but uh, I don't want to give too much away, but you're not going to be seeing that one for a few weeks, if that uh, oh tells god. you where I ranked it. Oh yeah. my god, you're nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, 57, TF2, Team Fortress mm. 2. 
Uh, played a lot of that game. You and I have played a lot of that game. It's a fun game. I look on it very fondly. Um, but just wasn't quite up to snuff with um, some of the other stuff on my list. Again, like a lot of these titles, you know, they were higher at one point. But as you develop the list more, you know, it stuff gets shifted around. Understandable. 56. Far Cry 3. Mm. I put this game on anywhere on this list for one man and one man alone. That's Michael Mandau who played Boss. Yeah. Still to this day, one of the best villain performances of any video game of all time. This man is menacing. He's insane. And the way that he defines insanity in that game, I will never, ever forget that scene. A beautiful right. performance. And that's why I put it here. 55, the Beatles rock band. A surprise, wow. I know, to be sure, but a welcome one. Um, Beatles rock band. I am not a huge Beatles fan. I like the Beatles. I appreciate the Beatles. I don't like listen to them constantly. But I did have a phase when I was younger where I really liked the Beatles. I was super pumped when I was a kid. Um, not really a kid. It's probably middle school or high school, honestly. Um, and Beatles rock band was coming out. Um, and I was like, I got to pick this up and play it. I picked it up. I got that, the, the weird guitar that they released for it. And yeah. I played through the Beatles rock band in one sitting and then never played it again. I played it in one sitting and then never played it again. But the way that they portrayed it and how it was the first Guitar Hero game really that took real life events and venues almost and let you play moments of the Beatles history. And as somebody who's a rock and a metal fan, I really appreciated that. And it's always stuck with me. Okay. Next one, 54, another rhythm game, Guitar Hero 2. Guitar Hero 2, one of the best mm. Guitar Hero games, in my opinion. One of the ones that I had the most fun with and also played the most. It was the first time we saw, or you were able to create or develop your own character too, I believe. I don't think the first game had that in the same way that Guitar Hero 2 did. And also the soundtrack for Guitar Hero 2 was just... Mm -hmm. So, fun fact about Guitar Hero 2, I believe that is like the one that most people started with first. Um, mm -hmm. Guitar Hero 1 really didn't like, it, it came out and nobody really played it. It wasn't yeah. until Guitar Hero 2 that the game series kind of picked up steam and, and got big. Um, that one actually didn't make my list, Guitar Hero 2, only because the soundtrack is actually played by a cover band. Every song on that whole game oh. are covers. They're not the original songs. And for that, That's I didn't put it on my list <clears throat> because why not? Didn't even know that, but yep. I enjoyed it. And nostalgia played a huge factor there too. Great game. Um, next one, 53, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Nice. Why is this on my list? Again, it's nostalgia. I wanted a game for my Xbox. I went to GameStop with my mother and there was nothing out really. And I was like, I need a game to play. I want a game. Saw Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. And I was like, all right, this looks like a racing game. Cool. You could be a cop. Dude, I played the fucking shit out of this game when I was, was a that, kid. Was that Xbox 360 or Xbox Original? Xbox Original. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit was Xbox So it was original. like a PS2 era game. Yes. Um, okay. I played the shit out of that game. And funny story quickly about this game. I didn't know that the point was to actually like get caught by the cops. <laughs> like you wanted the cops to chase you because... That's the point of the game. Dude, I would drive so slow past cops in the game. And I was like, why aren't I progressing? What's going on? What's happening? It's because you have to get, you're supposed to alert the cops. So uh, you can outrun them. Right. But I never did. Yeah. So next nice. one, 52, Pokemon. 
Let's go Eevee. Why did I put this here? It is the first, and you can crucify me, it's fine. It's the first Pokemon game I actually beat from start to finish, um, and I loved it. I had such a good time with it. I know it's uh, much more simplistic than other Pokemon games, but it's a faithful recreation or retelling, whatever you want to call it, of the original Pokemon game. And yep. it's just, I, I had a lot of fun with it, man. Um, and it was cool to experience what you all kind of experienced when you were kids, and I didn't through like a very fresh lens. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah. Cool. And then That's 50, a good one. Yeah. And then 51, another Pokemon game, Pokemon Shield, because it is the second Pokemon game I ever beat, and I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot, and all the DLC, um, and playing with you, and it's just it is the story. I just really enjoyed it, man. Um, and I'm very fond of that game. So, make rounds out my honorable mentions. All right, well then let's start with uh, you know 50 through 40 or 50 through 51. We're gonna save 40, right? 50 for the, through for 41, yeah. Yeah. Wait. 40. 50 through 41. Yes. 40. Yes. <laughs> Math. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start then. Um, so let's do this. I'll do my 50. You do your 50. 49, 49. How's that? Gotcha. All right. So, you know, top of my list, official. Brett Te Roberts. Technically bottom of your list. Yes. <laughs> Favorite games of all time, number 50, is Destiny. So, Josh, Destiny came into my life at a weird time. I'd just gotten my PS4. The beta launched, and I felt like I was playing the coolest thing I've ever played in my life when I played Destiny. You hop in that open world, or semi-open world, um, riding around on your bike, you know, playing with your friends, they jump into your fire team, you're all together flying around. Look, I just found this secret cave with this thing in it. I just found this treasure chest. That game was just, from the minute I played that alpha, I was hooked. We played the shit out of Destiny. We did. And I didn't include Destiny 2 on this list. I don't think I did anyway, um, because I didn't have nearly as much fun as I did with Destiny 1. Mm -hmm. And it was just a big part of my life. You know, I got the big collector's edition for it. Um, we played it a lot and it was a good time. I really, really like destiny. So that's a 50. great addition. It's a great addition. Yeah. My number 50 more recent game might surprise you. Mm. Blair Witch. Wow. This game, first of all, I'm a, we're both big fans of the Blair Witch franchise. Okay. Yeah. Um, and found footage. This game is spooky. It's got puzzle elements, but it has the most interesting implementation of procedural generation and choice-based outcomes that you will ever experience in a video game. You will not know how many things you do in the game impact the outcome until the very end of the game. And when I say how many, literally hundreds, hundreds of wow. decisions that you made throughout the game, it will tell you at the end of the game exactly what you did wrong or what you didn't do. When I finish this game, right? And it's pretty short. It's about four or five hours. The story is really good. And if you're a fan of Blair Witch, you will enjoy it because it interweaves itself brilliantly. At the end of the game, when it's almost, I would compare it to like a journey moment where it's like, wow, I didn't know I was playing with another player, which is not the shtick of Blair Witch, by the way. No, that's not a spoiler. Um, 
how it makes you choose and doesn't tell you anything, right, makes the ending of that game super impactful. And gotcha. I don't, I have never seen a choice based system implemented the way this has been before because it's a popular thing in video games and i don't know yeah. if i will ever see one as complex and impactful ever again wow that's one that i really have to play and again it's on my list of games to buy or games to play on gg app so i will mm -hmm. be checking that out yeah that's my favorite. all right number 49 josh um you know mirror's edge the original this game is, you know, one of my favorites. It's number it's number 49, you know, it's on my list. I, it's one of my favorites. Um just the fact that you know, we at the, up until this point we never got like a parkour mm -hmm. video game, right? Um you can do combat, but that's not the point. You can shoot a gun, but that's not the point. Um I I just I think that it's like almost it's like puzzle solving in a way, the way you traverse yeah. around the map. And I love the environment, how everything is so white and clean looking. And then, mm -hmm. you know, if there's an area of interest or where you have to go next, it's like red. Um, I just had a lot of fun with that game. And it's like, it's the kind of game where you kind of get sick of the same shit. You just turn Mirror's Edge on and you're like, wow, what a breath of fresh air this was. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's, it's again, you're not supposed to be running and gunning. You're supposed to be avoiding, dodging, running, jumping. Um, I think it came into my life at a time where I was sick of a lot of of the things that were happening in the game industry, the sameness of everything. Mm -hmm. And um, I bought it on a whim and I was really surprised and I really, really fell in love with it. So yeah, Mirror's Edge is my 49. That's awesome. Good addition. Thank you. My 49, Brett, a rock star game. Mm -hmm. L.A. Noir. Nice. L.A. Noir is a fantastic game has a super interesting story um and the big draw of it right when it came out and what still sticks in my mind is the choices right reading people what are you going to ask as the detective to get the information that you need what if i say this then it shuts you down and you're not going to get the information that you need the yep. detective nature of it and the who done it aspects um all the way through the ending are why that made my top list it is super intriguing um i know people have issues with the ending i do some myself um but it is a very intriguing ending and an ending that i know you and i both actually um always like when you find out something where it's like oh we have we've had an unreliable narrator right this person is responsible for it so yeah for sure my only thing is that with that game i felt that <sighs> There was like a twist and I played it when I was a kid and I kind of didn't get, I didn't understand why that mm -hmm. would happen. So I actually, I didn't include any rockstar games on my list. Um, wow. Yeah. I don't think so anyway. Um, it's very no, different from my list. I have several. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I included any of them. Um, but yeah, that, that one specifically is, is one of my favorite rockstar games for sure. If I were to include one, that would probably be, that or Red Dead 1 would be it. Mm -hmm. um, okay, very good. So number 48. This one's a weird one. I don't know if you've ever played this one. Um, I know you're going to be playing the remake or the new version of it that's coming out very shortly, and that is Pokemon Snap. 
mm. for the Nintendo 64. Mm -hmm. uh, this one is just like one of those weird spinoffs of a huge franchise like Pokemon that mm -hmm. you don't know if it's going to work, but because of the nature of the franchise with these cute creatures that are, you know, interacting with each other in this world, it works and it works really well. And nostalgia plays a part in this because I remember, you know, going to Blockbuster back in the day, they had like the Pokemon Snap machine where you could plug your cartridge in and print out the pictures you took. Um, so there is a little bit of nostalgia here that's, you know, tapping into it. But Pokemon Snap is just such a cool concept. Um, I love the way you would have to like act to access new areas or the next level. You would have to find like little secrets and interact with the Pokemon in a way that they would unlock the next level for you. Um, the fact that this game never was released on the Wii U with the gamepad shocks me. I don't understand how they went that whole generation of the Wii U without making a Pokemon Snap game. Um, mm -hmm. But we're finally getting it on the Switch, and it has such a huge cult following. And I'm just so happy that, you know, they're finally making another Pokemon Snap game. So, yeah, I'm excited to play the new one on Switch. My 48, Brett, I don't actually know if you've ever heard of this game. Um, and you might not have even ever played it, likely. Midtown Madness 3. Have you ever heard of this game? <laughs> I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> it is a racing game. Um, Looks like Crazy Taxi. Yeah, kind of. Um, it's an arcade-based driving game, essentially. Okay, okay. Why? Do I like this game? Do I expose myself and tell you why this? First of all, it's purely nostalgia. That's mm -hmm. one of the few reasons why it is where it is. I have such fond memories of this game. Another uh, original Xbox title that I played the fuck out of, my man. Played the fuck out of. Was one of the first games that allowed you to play system. Like, so in the original Xbox, you could upload music, right? You could have yeah. music on your Xbox. This was one of the first games that allowed you to play system music over the actual game too oh wow so i could have you know my whatever music i was listening to at the time playing while the game was running um i didn't ever do the objectives in this game i couldn't even tell you what they are i literally just drove around and fucking rammed into shit and rammed into other cars and i did that for countless hours on end days years maybe while i had my xbox and just listening to crazy frog on repeat the whole time basically probably yeah uh, that and like, I don't know, who else were we listening back in the day? Fucking Akon or something, dude. I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah. That didn't probably age well, but anyway. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I played the shit out of it as a kid, but yeah. Okay. I've never, I have never heard of that. And there's at least three of them. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, Couldn't tell you what the other two are about, but I played the fuck out of three. Okay. Um. All right. Number 47. So this is one you actually mentioned already, and it's Team Fortress 2. Mm. Um, it's interesting that it kind of ended up at, like, at the tail end of both of our lists. Um, I think it has something to do with the fact that you know it's a very simple game, and we just have really fond memories of it. Yeah. Not just playing it, but also like the memes and like the YouTube videos oh, that spawned yeah, from it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So, yeah, I mean, listen, I have fond memories of eating Cheez-Its and playing Team Fortress 2 and drinking Coca-Cola. So um, Damn, that was the first Jesus right now. <laughs> that was the first game I actually ever played online on any system. Um, mm -hmm. It was on the Xbox 360 and I played the orange box and I had uh, 
yeah, Team Fortress 2. And I, that was the first game I bought Xbox Live for and I plugged in my console. And yeah, so nostalgia plays a big factor there, but it's also just a fun little game. So cool. Yeah. My next game, 47, Agent 47. Also a Rockstar title. Also a game I don't think you've ever heard of, potentially. Is it Agent? No. The game that's not out? No. Midnight Club 2. I've heard of Midnight Club. I've never played them. Midnight Club 2. It is a racing game, right? Yeah. Um, basically, purely, I would compare it to almost like a Tokyo Drift style, like, racing game. Okay. Again, did I do the fucking objectives in this game? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know what I did do in this game, though? <laughs> I would get in a police car, and I would pretend that I was a policeman. And I would go around and just fucking crash the shit out of people's cars. And again, I fixated on this game for a very long time. I played the fucking shit out of it, my man. Hours on end doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I had to put these games at 47 to 48 on my list because I think about how much, dude, ridiculous amounts of time as a kid I spent in them. And I have such fond memories of just fucking around and not caring what was going on. Just so not caring like what was going on. As a kid, you just really like destroying things, specifically while driving a vehicle. Destroying things and role playing in those things when I was destroying them that was completely separate from what was actually the point of the game. Um, and that is a common theme with actually a couple things on my uh, list. But I just I, I think about them fondly and how much time I spent with them as a kid. Um, and they were actually, these last two were some of the first games that came to my mind when I thought about my list. I was like, oh, Midnight Club and Midtown Madness. They're, they have to be on there. So, Wow. That's interesting. All right. Number 46, Josh. Super Smash Bros. Melee. Oh. This one was the first game, along with Super Mario Sunshine, um, the first game I got on my GameCube. And... I played the ever-loving fuck out of this game. Uh, this was the first Smash Bros. I ever played. I didn't play the 64 one first. I played mm -hmm. this one first. And just, man, specifically, we have an old friend, Alvaro. Him and I, at his house, used to play Melee all the time. Before I even had it, him and I would play it. And, you know, just had to unlock certain characters, leaving the GameCube on for... At Literally, you had to leave your GameCube on for, like, days or have, like, days worth of playtime to get Mewtwo. Mm -hmm. um, and we would just do that. We would just leave the GameCube on and get Mewtwo. Um, you know, getting all the, the little trophies was awesome. You know, uh, there's so many things I could say about Melee. Now, I'm not a big Melee fan now, and, like, I don't play it competitively or Wave Dash or any of that, you know, crazy shit that competitive guys do. But I have such a sweet spot in my heart for Melee. Um, just such a cool game, seeing all these characters together fighting each other and... Uh, I'll just say this. This isn't the last time you'll hear me say Super Smash Bros. on this list. Wow. Okay. My 46. A game that I actually recently beat. One could say that I just beat it. One might say that this could be recency bias. But one could also say that it is literally one of my favorite games of all time. And that is Detention. Wow. Um... The impact this game had on me last night when I beat it, like I mentioned 
earlier in the pod. Nice. It's one yeah. of the few games in my life that I played where I just sat there at the end. I was like, fuck, man. Like, wow. Um, first of all, it's one of the scariest games I've ever played. Uh, this game is terrifying. It is uh, legitimately wow. terrifying. And that's coming from you and I, you know, somebody, people who consume horror regularly and yeah. not really an adjective I would frequently use. It's terrifying. Um, and it starts with the art design. Um, and the art design is uh, terrifying and unique and weird. And the story is sad and depressing um, and satirical about like government control, which I think right now too is uh, a very satient topic. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, this is the Taiwanese and more loosely Chinese government. Um, but the characters are interesting it is not a whodunit mystery but it's a what the fuck is going on mystery how it presents things how you move through the world how you solve puzzles one of the most interesting puzzle solving experiences i've ever had in my life first of all they're hard they're not easy but once you figure out that all the puzzles are linked directly to storytelling elements of the game it becomes a little bit more easy and how you move through and interact with the world and transition between places and the structure of it. And then the very, very end, which I looked it up. Apparently I got the true ending. There's multiple endings. So that nice. might be part of why my experience was so positive. If you do everything and make good choices, I think it's probably pretty easy. Um, but yeah, man, it is one of the most terrifying <laughs> and also impactful games. Um, I've ever played and from an art design perspective it is uh gorgeous and also scary <laughs> so yeah yeah and you know what josh if anyone wants to check out your review of detention gg mm -hmm. app you know That's they right. have a great uh a great review that you wrote so yeah check that out very cool yeah. all right all right number 45 josh we're getting there um this is probably i think the only time that this franchise is going to be on my list but it might be on yours quite a few times. Uh, and that mm -hmm. is Tony Hawk's Underground One. Oh. Thug. Baby. So listen, this game is just the bee's fucking knees, all right? You got a Tony Hawk game. You know, I've played all the older ones. I, play, I played all of them. This is the first one where you can get off your board, you walk around. A man after my own heart knows exactly why. I remember making my own character made him look slick. I remember it being inside the you know main character has an apartment. I loved how it was like a suburban neighborhood as like the first area because I grew up in a suburban neighborhood. Um, very reminiscent of like where I'm from. And just there's so many parts of this game that I have such fond memories of I remember Eric, uh, the antagonist of the game who was your former best friend. He's such a little fucking piece of shit. And mm -hmm. he like turns on you and just at the end you finally get your revenge. Um, and the very end of the game, you unlock a KISS concert as the final skate park. And you collect all the letters and KISS comes on stage. And, like, you know, you're skating around while KISS is on. There's a fucking freak show where a fire breather is breathing fire. And there's a guy sticking swords in his throat, I think. Um, that game is just awesome. And it's probably my, well, it is my favorite Tony Hawk game. Um, so, yeah, Tony Hawk Underground 1. Yeah. Let's just say that's not the last time you'll hear something from the Tony Hawk franchise on these segments. Okay. I'm sure. 
My 45 might be a little bit of a surprise to you. But again, another game uh, where I actually played the objectives this time, but um, just spent a shit ton of time in as a kid. Um, and that is The Sims, the original Sims, the first Sims game before they EA fucked it up like they always do. Um, I had a lot of fun in this game, man. Um, there's so much like small attention to detail things that you can do in it i mean the actual home design you know element of it trying to figure out shit um how you want, need to make money to get better shit uh the relationship yeah. aspect of it you know i used to like make my family in it mm -hmm. um you know put friends and stuff in it. it was just it was an awesome you know focused uh enjoyable experience um you know figuring out how to kill your sims if you wanted to like you know how to make sure that they don't go to the bathroom so they piss themselves on the floor um yeah. and then also i used to get scared as a kid at night in the sims because you could get robbed like you could get like your house could get robbed dude i used to fucking lose my shit when my house got robbed both angry and also scared so yeah uh, that's interesting i've never played the sims one i've only played two so also good um, but it's just, you know, it was, it's bare bones compared to Sims now, but it was an awesome experience. Um, and I spent a shit ton of time in that game. Do you remember the herbs Sims in the city? Sims city, Sims in no. the city. Yeah. It was called herbs. U R B Z. I think Sims in the city. And it was like an edgy city version of the Sims. No, I think I might've heard of it. Maybe. I don't know. The cover was like orange. I was just, I didn't know if you've, I, I was, basically asking if it was on your list because that game's a business oh no this is the only time the sims will appear on my list <laughs> okay okay good yeah all right number 44 a franchise that appears on this list so many times one of them was my honorable mention that is sonic the hedgehog mm -hmm. specifically sonic adventure 2 battle which is the uh you know port of sonic adventure 2 for the gamecube and i believe the playstation 2 Josh, have you played this? No, maybe like for five seconds, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Listen, Sonic Adventure 2 has so many qualities about it that make it a fantastic game. Um, I have such fond memories of this game on the GameCube. Uh, Chow Garden. I, I literally only have to say that and everyone that has played this game will go. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. But the Chow Garden aspect where you basically raise these little creatures called Chows from an egg into a little creature and then they evolve by you giving them items and they get stronger and they change their look and they get faster and they can swim and they can, you know, fight and you could take them to the fucking arena and they do shit and then race and the Chow Garden is slick and it's just a little tacked on little Tamagotchi life uh, or Tamagotchi light. Uh, kind of thing that they threw into the game for no reason and it's slick okay but besides that the first level of this game you got city escape where sonic the hedgehog jumps off a fucking helicopter uses the door or i think as a fucking surfboard and surfs down city streets and then a big tr mac truck is chasing after him and he's fucking riding on a skateboard that game is slick all right and if you know what the words are after I say, rolling around at the speed of sound, then you know this game slaps fucking hard. That's it. Wow. All right. There you go. All right. My 44, Brett. Um, an original Xbox game. 
Again, don't know if you've heard of it. You might have. Um, Outlaw Golf 2. Right. <laughs> Outlaw Golf 2. Uh-huh. It's basically just an arcade uh, golf game. Um, yeah, I've heard of it. But with the twist that all of the characters are essentially ex-convicts um, and have super abysmal personalities. Um, you know, the girls have fucking massive tits. The guys are like fucking douchebags. Uh, really just kind of like a scummy game. But I had so much fucking fun with this game. The actual arcade like gameplay elements are interesting and how they present courses to you. And, you know, different characters have different abilities. There was a lot of interaction between you and your caddy. Um, there's a lot of different animations for different things that you could do um, and ways that you could kind of circumvent normal golf rules, which I remember really fondly. Um, but also just the cast of characters. I think they were voiced really well. Um, I found them interesting, even though they were like scummy and gross, but that was the point. Um, and I, again, spent a shit ton of time with this game, in this game as a kid, and had a lot of fun. Um, and I, I honestly almost put outlaw golf the original in it and also outlaw volleyball <laughs> in here too but i didn't this is the only outlaw title you'll find uh because specifically outlaw golf 2 introduced a lot more characters and elements than those other games so gotcha never played it i've heard of it i've seen it i've never played it mm-hmm. all right number 43 we're almost there yep bmx triple x just kidding that's not actually it <laughs> <laughs> okay um, have you heard of bmx triple x no oh, okay it's a really bad biking game where uh you can make the girls have no uh, shirt on and they have their boobs out and oh. also for some reason they added a um collectible item that lets you watch real strippers videos of strippers stripping um and there's a cheat code that you could enter as a kid or whenever but i did it as a kid and it would unlock all these videos of these strippers uh, stripping and auga. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so number forty-three is Rocket League. Wow, Rocket League is a you know free-to-play multiplayer game right now. So I'm sure a lot of people watching this have played it or at least tried it. Um, you know, when we when I first got it, it was free with PlayStation Plus. Josh picked it up. We played a lot of it. We still play it from time to time and. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a really fun game, and it's it's the second time that Psionics tried to make this game, essentially, because they had super acrobatic... Uh, Robot whatever, power, battle cars. Battle cars, whatever it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they, they kind of, like, made that, and it didn't it didn't do anything. And they kind of, like, remade it and, like, changed it up, and they hit, like, a home run. And I just think that Rocket League has turned into this awesome game, and it's been a great game from the beginning. And... Um, yeah, it's my number 43. I can't say anything else really except uh, it's awesome. All right. Good choice. My 43. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Nice. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Why? First of all, have fond memories of the multiplayer in this game. Even though it was A abysmal. A lot of people do. Even though it was abysmal fond memories of playing multiplayer in this game i mean for fucking months just coming home after school and playing this with you and alvaro and whoever just i mean fond memories even as abysmal as it was um awesome multiplayer experience i would argue Uh, josh that although 
we also played the original Modern Warfare Online. I think that Modern Warfare 2 was the one that really took off, and that was like a lot of people's first one. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I probably spent way more time in the multiplayer for Modern Warfare 2 than Modern Warfare 1. I think Modern Warfare 1 multiplayer is better, but still. Yeah. Um, and then also the campaign for Modern Warfare 2. Campaign for Modern Warfare 1 is awesome. Just listen, you're not, this is not the last time you'll hear this on in this list. But the campaign for Modern Warfare 2, what a apt, beautiful, perfect sequel to the original game. Um, and just an awesome actual story, uh, which Call of Duty does not hit as much anymore. Um, over the top, but also had a lot of heart. Loved the characters, fond memories of this game. Incredible game. Had to put it on here. Love it. Uh, Modern Warfare 2 did not make my list, but you will hear from that series. Mm-hmm. Number 42. A controversial game. Um, love it or hate it. I loved it. And that would be Infamous Second Son. Oh, yes. Controversial. This, people don't like yeah, that game? A lot of people don't like this game. Um, and it all kind of stems from Delson. And a lot of people think he's like edgy or, you know, you know too much. I love Delson, and I think Troy Baker did like an excellent job playing him. Um, he's not a perfect character. Sounds supposed to be. He's shitty. He's shitty to his brother, and that's why there's certain moments in the game that are more impactful, because that's called writing, <laughs> and that's how you make a story. Yeah, um, and Travis Willingham did an awesome job as his brother. As Reggie. Yeah, he killed yeah. it. Um, I really liked the different powers in this game. I think that the last power is probably the weakest one you get, mm-hmm. but it makes sense story-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, yeah, it was a great game, great story. I think great characters, great visuals. I mean, shit, when this came out, we were blown away by the particle effects. Um, yeah, man. And the neon power, just running with the neon streaks behind, just sucking the neon up, feeling your controller vibrate as you did it. Um yeah, Infamous Second Son. I just like the aesthetic of the game, and I liked both endings, um, the good ending and the fucking evil ending, which is actually really fucked up. So, yeah. yeah. Love it. Good choice. Thank you. My 42, another Rockstar game, Brett. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, they're all down here. Well. They're not up top for you. Listen, there's more. Okay. Um, this is again not the last time Rockstar Games will be on my list. Um, Grand Theft Auto Five. Okay. I played the, and the campaign specifically. I've played the campaign three times now. Three times now. Um, wow. Once on 360, twice on PlayStation Four. Um, this game, story wise, I love it. I love the dynamics between the characters. I love Trevor. I love the dynamics um, between uh, Michael and, um, oh, geez. Franklin. Franklin. Um, between Michael and Franklin, almost like a father and son type thing. I love the wild card nature of the story in general and how you switch between those characters with such an interesting and unique kind of way to experience that story. Um, and I have a lot of fun. There's a lot of, Really, really awesome moments in that game. Um, and I not one that typically plays many games more than once. Um, so the fact that I've played this three times and beat it three times for a Rockstar 
size story speaks volumes. So yeah, this is one that I never finished actually, but um, that's just because it's so fucking long. I ba- I rarely finish Rockstar games. That's my problem. Um, but this one specifically, I love being able to switch between the three characters, and it kind of just puts you in a moment of their life. Like mm-hmm. Trevor could be beating someone up. Yeah, Franklin would just be in his apartment chilling. Yeah. Um, I really kind of hope that the next GTA game takes that and uses that to have multiple characters as well, because yeah. um, it's like a really cool mechanic, and I think that it could be something that GTA is known for going forward. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, great pick. That's what, you know that is like the best selling game of all time, right? So yeah, makes sense. All right, all right, forty one, the last one, right? Yep, for this segment. Josh, number 41 is a game called Titanfall 2. This game has a campaign that will surprise the shit out of you. It is so good and touching and has one of the slickest and coolest things I've ever seen in a video game. And just a, like awesome use of video games as a medium and something you really couldn't do or you could do in a movie or a TV show, but it wouldn't have the same effect as it did in this. Um, and not only that, dude, the game, you know, plays great, runs great, looks great, but also like the multiplayer, which I didn't play a lot of is so fun. And just the moment you call the Titan down and you get inside him and you could jump on Titans backs and rip the batteries out and give them to your friends. And like, I wish we played this game more because it's really fun and being fans of anime and mechs and stuff like that. It just really speaks to us. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you ever finished. I don't even know if you even played or tried. Titanfall I tried campaign. I played the campaign a little bit, but I have not ever beaten it. It's so good. And it's really cool that the universe um, is being expanded upon with apex legends. And you may or may not hear about apex legends uh, later. So I would agree with you on that statement. All right, Brett to round out our first, you know, Josh and Brett's favorite 50 games of all time. Number 41 for me. Telltale's The Walking Dead. The original. That's a fantastic game. It's a phenomenal game. First Telltale game. Um, the first game that was modernized for the point and click type of adventure um with one of the most gutting intriguing um and best stories i've ever experienced um and that's what i think about when i think about this game i don't think about how it ran right i don't think about the issues with that and their engine i think about the story and the characters and clementine specifically and the end of this game making me want to just crawl up in a ball and just hide uh this game is incredible it is voice acted to perfection it is directed to perfection uh it is written to perfection and at the time was kind of the height of the walking dead when we were still into the tv show so to experience a different story in that world was um, better incredible yes i agree played it several times um originally played it on my on an ipad which is wild that was like my first experience with the game um wow. was on an ipad and i played it uh, many different other platforms but yeah it is a story 
and Clementine specifically as a character is why this is on my list. That's such a good pick, and it, it actually didn't make my list, um, mainly because I kind of forgot about it, but I don't know if it would have placed anyway, mm -hmm. um, just because of everything else, but that game is phenomenal, and I just, I think about the one moment, and you know what moment I'm talking about, yeah. and how I, I sobbed. I literally, like, was sobbing playing it. Yeah. Um, what a fucking game, and honestly, I haven't even played part two or three or four or whatever, however many there are, because mm -hmm. it's such a good standalone experience mm -hmm. as, it, as itself. And yeah. uh, it's just great pick. Great pick. Yeah. That's a great one. Sequel, the sequels are good, but nothing is as good as the original. Yeah. I'm glad so. they got to tie up the story. I know like Telltale kind of fell under and people were worried about the last game, but I'm glad they did eventually end up being able to finish it. So Right. So right. that was the first installment of Brett and Josh's top 50 games of all time. I know it was a long segment, but if you enjoyed it, let us know. We're going to be doing this for a couple of weeks leading up to our top 10 and then ultimately Haptic Intel's top 10 uh, when we score and rank everything. So let us know. All right, Brett, to round out the pod this week like we do every week, talking about indie games, indie Intel. This yeah. week we're talking about a game called Singularity. Okay, Singularity is a Kickstarter game game made by one person in Japan, who we'll talk about a little bit more in a second. But Singularity is a game where you can explore the world of consciousness. What is consciousness? Where does it come from? Why do we have consciousness? What happens if you lose it? Uh, the game is generated by these particular questions. Singularity has 3D graphics that portray and respond to the changes in light and shadows in real time. The game adapts a multi-ending system where your personality and attributes are being reflected. They are planning to have five to eight different endings. There are doors that cannot be opened unless you find the key and gimmicks that you can't proceed if you make a mistake in the procedure. Um, so first of all, there's a little translation issues, obviously, with it. It's coming from Japan. Um, so if some of the stuff I just said sounded weird, it's because of the translation. Um, but yeah, Brett, this game looks really cool, kind of reminiscent, um, slightly almost of like an inside or an insane, if you will. Shout out to the insane guys. Um, yeah. But looks really cool, made by one person in Japan who is a student currently, Brett, in college. That's right. Uh, the thing I liked about the game was the little you know pictures and videos that they had showing it off. Um, to be honest with you, the Kickstarter page does not explain much about the game except mm -hmm. what you just read. I think that's the extent of what we know. Yeah. Um, the game looks really cool and looks really good. Uh, also, I really dig the like it's it's common nowadays. We actually just talked about it in our previous segment, but like multi endings and like, you know, your actions, mm -hmm. you know, influence the end of the game. Right. Um, but like the way he describes it just sounds like really awesome like certain doors will be locked if you do something that you're you know you're not supposed to do or if there's like a key and you don't find that key well guess what that path is locked for the rest of the game so um there's consequences to your actions and if you don't do something then you miss out on the ending i like that. yeah and what really and they talked he talked about it in here what really stood out to me watching the trailer and i know hbot will throw uh some footage over this when she's editing it no problem josh but the use of lighting and how it plays in the world, not necessarily something we haven't seen before, but is clearly done well and intentionally. And it's the first yeah. thing that stood out to me. And also the creature design looks fucking creepy. 
Um, yeah, I saw that and I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, really cool, interesting game. You can back it on Kickstarter right now. The campaign just started. Um, we're going to link it in the description. Go support the dev. Um, check it out. Anything else yeah, to add, let's Brett? See, let's just see if we can make this happen, you know. Um, it actually mm -hmm. has a pretty decent amount of people backing it already, mm -hmm. uh, and they're not requesting too much. Uh, right. The the guy who's developing it, like you said, is from Japan, and he is a student in college. And mm -hmm. I think what it comes down to is essentially he wants to publish this game, but he can't secure a release date or a publishing date until he has the like more funds to know, like, this is a worthwhile project. Right. And he did mention, like, you know, he is in school and he has to write papers and do his homework and stuff. So, you know, development on this might be a little weird, but I think if we fund it and if we especially go over the goal, um, he might kind of, you know, focus on this a little bit more. So that's why I'm really antsy to see where it goes. And I'm really antsy to, you know, try and pledge myself. So Yeah. All right. Singularity. Check it out, everybody. All right, Brett. That's it. That's the end of the pod this week that's right uh thank you oh. everybody for tuning in joining us inside of haptic hq um for another episode of hapticast uh brett what do you want to say i want to say if you watched this far into the podcast video then you're a true fan and i appreciate you and i love you and josh appreciates you as well and also you know we have another video that just went live we mentioned at the top of the pod unclaimed baggage go check that out um it's a series that we want to, our video, we want to turn into a series and we want to know what you guys think. So please check that out. Leave a comment. Let us know. And also check out Josh's PS1 teardown that went live a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago. Um, great video. And that's something else that we kind of want to start messing around with as well. So go check out those two videos. And um, again, thank you so much for watching. All right, folks, that'll do it. Do all the YouTube stuff. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, jump into the comments, share it with your friends. And until the next video, bye-bye. Uh-huh. Thank you for watching Hapticast. Please like and subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you do not miss an upload.